I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Hey, horror fans. Welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. Today, part three, Scream 3 of our Scream Countdown. Scream 3, directed by Wes Craven, came out in the year 2000. Brings back David Arquette, Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, Lee Schreiber. Um, this film, they're also, uh, it also brings in Patrick Dempsey, Jenny McCarthy, Parker Posey, and um, my favorite addition to the movie um, is Lance H- H- Henriksen, who is probably the, probably the king of horror sequels, I want to say. And it goes well with this movie because he's the king of shitty horror sequels. Um... He did, He has aliens, and let, let me just say this: so I was not calling aliens shitty. <laughs> um, and he has a Pumpkinhead and Near Dark, which aren't sequels, and he has Piranha Two, which isn't shitty. So again, but he did. He did a Terminator House Three. What Terminator? Right. Terminator. Yep. But he did House Three, which we talked about the House movies last time because uh, that's brought up in Scream Two, House One, House Two, the second story. But um, he did Hellraiser, Hell World, which Steve was telling me he was just watching Hellbound on uh, TV. Um, he did Mimic 3 and The Hills of Eyes Part 3. None of these are great movies. Um, the Omen 2 is a good movie. But like I said, so Lance Henriksen is one of the... Uh, I respect him because he, he is a true... Sometimes you go to these horror conventions and you have like Kevin Bacon, who was in Hollow Man and Friday the 13th and that's it. And you have wrestlers or whatever. You might have some someone else who's... Here's Christian Slater at the convention who is in just Interview with the Vampire. And so, sometimes you go to this stuff. And again, it's not really people that are diehard into horror. It's just famous people that have been in one or two films. Lance Henriksen reminds me of going to see someone like Danielle Harris or going to see someone like Tony Todd. Someone who like really gave their career to, um, to the horror genre. So, with all these, all these actors coming back, you add Parker Posey and you add Lance Henriksen. I really like those two in this film. I'm just saying because I'm about to knock the fuck out of this movie. But, um, but I just want to say I give them credit for bringing those two back. Um, Patrick Dempsey and Jenny McCarthy, eh. But um, so the plot of this movie is at the time, not right now, as we all know, because we're all about to go see Scream Six. This was the last installment in the Scream trilogy. It's set in Hollywood where Stab 3 is being shot with Gail Weathers and Dwight Riley. Dewey Riley on set as advisors to Jennifer Jolie. Um, unfortunately, a killer decides to off the cast in order of the screenplay and only Sid Prescott now is hiding until the killer tracks her down can solve the riddle. And, yeah. Um, so, I thought... I don't know. I... I I want to say where this film mainly went wrong is, and they had a reason for this too. I said in past episodes, when I watch a slasher movie like this, obviously with with the Scream franchise, it's also like who the killer is. It's like finding out who the killer is. It's playing that. It's being caught up into the movie, and they're making you part of, part of the film. Like again, like they're, they're, they're having you play along, playing the guess who game. Um, that's big too, but just like all slasher films, the blood, the gore, the carnage, like I said, you need this stuff. Um, unfortunately, what happened with Scream 3 is that right before it came out, there was a little, 
a little school event that happened called the Columbine Massacre. And because of that, studios, they, they, they didn't want any, um, they were saying that they didn't want any blood, any gore in the film. They got to a point where they were telling Wes Craven, we don't want any of that. Like, no blood at all. And thank, thank God for this, at least. Craven said, if that's the way it's going to go, I'm not making this movie. So at least they kind of met him midway. But you see this, like, again, we're going to talk about Scream 4 next show. Um, and Scream 1, Scream 2, like, again, uh, Scream 5. I, I got to revisit Scream 5. I remember hating it, but I got to revisit it. But, like, there's, I, I'm going to talk about this in the next show, but Scream 4 I thought was kind of making up for this. They, um, the, the, not the opening kill, but the, but the girl that lives next door, Olivia, they have her guts falling out, like, on the bed and stuff like that. But this, like, they wouldn't show any of the kills. And they would just show, like, afterwards, like, a little red paint on the victim. And I don't know. I just found that really shitty. <laughs> and this is, from what I can remember, the only one of the Scream movies that I would definitely not go back and watch unless we were doing, like, an episode on it or something. Um, yeah, uh, I thought the... Thought you could tell that Williamson didn't write it. Kevin Williamson was not back. Um, I think at the time he was filming uh, off doing Dawson's Creek, but you could tell that the dialogue is boring. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, uh, the characters again, again. I always say, yeah, you have to care about these characters. That that's what Williamson does right. Like I said, I compared him in the past to John Hughes. He knows what it is to be a teenager. He knows how they act. Again, um, just like Richard Linklater, the guy who did Days and Fuse, I brought him up last time too. They remember being that age. They, they, they remember, like, again, they, they kind of had, like, Quentin Tarantino slash uh, Kevin Smith thing into it. Where, again, the, again, it just keeps you, uh, it keeps your eyes on the screen because you want to see what they're going to say next. This is, uh, is it just me? Uh, I, I'm going to give Steve a chance to talk in a second, too, because I realize I'm not shutting up. But, um, is it just me or do. Dewey and Gale not even seem like Dewey and Gale in this movie. Like, there's parts where, like, it doesn't seem like it's their personality. Yeah, and in general, a lot of, like, the, um, I guess, quirks and, like, traits of, like, the characters, they just, like, were not there. And it's like you said, oh, Kevin Williamson not writing it, and, you know, who knows the characters better than the guy who wrote them. But I definitely noticed that um, the chemistry was gone, and not just that, but, like, even their individual, um, like, things that made them Dewey and Gale, just, they weren't there. So, like, it's not as convincing. Whereas, like, the first and the second one, they kind of had, like, chemistry. And, you know, we, we even like it, even though we don't like romance too much in our horror movies. We said that at Scream 2, you know, there was something there. This one, I completely agree. They, they just came off very, like, just two characters that, you know, maybe um, are friends. But you would not think that they have this history of, like, two movies already. Completely you think agree. Maybe the interrupter is like, I think that maybe because, like, as we, we, I think we mentioned before, as the films go on, like, I don't know if you mentioned this, that, like, the first one they were just meeting, the second one they were dating and hooking up, and the third one they were getting married. Yeah. Like I said, in real life, it followed a real, real life timeline. Do you think maybe that's because, like, the second one also somewhat because they saw that puppy love thing going on? Yeah, exactly. And th that and the combination of uh, the writing being stale, it's just, um, like, nobody was really themselves. Maybe Sydney, uh, I guess, because she's, like, um, you know, she's got all her, her fighter traits and, you know, the warrior, the main, the final girl. But other than her, that's an excellent point. Nobody, 
like well the only two legacy characters left are them two but yeah Dewey and Gale stand out really badly when it comes to um the big dip in quality which is my biggest problem with the movie overall is um the dip in quality is just very distracting yeah uh no, it was definitely again, like I said, it just I, I don't I, I think it was just I think they shot it out really quick. Mm-hmm. And but they did that with the second one too, so that's no excuse. But again, I think this might have been like because this came out in two thousand, so it might have been kind of like I would say about like the late eighties slasher films. I think maybe they were just trying to get it out as quick as they can because they knew this could be the last one. Maybe. Yeah. But what's odd is that this one did quite well. Like I said, like it did. I think it made four times the budget. Oh wow! So it was it was once it was a forty million dollar budget and it made one hundred and sixty million dollars. Huh. So I'm kind of surprised that they didn't make a fourth one. I don't know, but also you know, Wes Craven isn't some shit director. So like, he probably at the time was like, yeah, this is all I really this is all I really want to add to it right now. Yeah, uh, I'm. I actually I'm remember watching. seeing this in theaters. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in theaters too. I remember seeing it with my mom and her boyfriend. And again, like, I'm sure... That's funny, because me, me, I saw my mom and her boyfriend, too. That's so funny. <laughs> Wait, we were there. We had the same mom and... <laughs> yeah, they were, on a, they were on a double date. <laughs> <laughs> That's where me and Steve first met. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say one cool thing about, like, again... One thing that I kind of like about the movie... Again, I no matter what it is, um, I do... I usually I like the beginning and ending of the movie um, with, with these films. Uh, I, I, I like... And Cotton did the same thing, Cotton. Uh, Lee Schreiber did the same thing that... What's her name? That Drew Barrymore did where he specifically said, I want to be killed in the first scene of the, scene of the movie. Huh. And again, I, I like how they kill off like a main character in the first scene of the movie. Just kind of like... Again, I think Randy says, what, what, what are the... What are the rules that, that, that anyone could die, even the main character, right? Yep, even Sydney could have died. And then he laid out, the, um, which which I think were pretty pretty accurate if you think about um, past trilogies. Um, I think one of the rules was that, yeah, anybody could die. Um, the, the killer is more powerful than ever, which they did really well in like a, a non-supernatural way. Because, you know, you got to explain how Ghostface is able to survive all this. And we particularly enjoyed that, that he was kind of invincible. Um, another rule is that things from the past could come back and haunt you. Something that you thought well, um, you knew all along turns out to not be true. And there's like a, a whole swerve on it. So um, I refer to that. All I can think about is maybe um, um, Star Wars when you find out that. Actually, no, but that's the second one, though. But can you think of any examples where in a trilogy you find out in the third one something that wasn't true in the original? It just—it all sounded really accurate to me. I just can't think of any right now. Well, they said they said in the Godfather Part Three. I'm trying to remember. Okay, yeah, there you go. They, yeah. I'm trying to remember what they find out in that one that isn't true about like the original, like like, like that 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 uh, I guess kind of shakes it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it, it it has that going for it. Like um, you can tell we don't like this movie that much, but it definitely did a good job at like you said before. Um, we were talking before that the episode. One thing we appreciate is like the background origin story, and we even like that in Scream One. Uh, the fact that stuff is going on in the background that you don't see on screen, it just adds to like the, the world building of it. Uh, the third one like expands on that and like lets you see like more of Maureen and and who she was seeing and how there was footage of her with Billy's dad. So when it comes to like um, its place in in a trilogy or like its place in the Scream franchise. Just like the second one did really good at uh, upping the ante with like more brutal kills and and just um, 
all following all the sequel rules uh this is a really good third movie following all the trilogy rules and it just adds to like the whole scream thing where each movie has like its place so it, it could have ended in this in this third one but like we said before even if it ended in the first one um you know scream is that good that it could have ended the first one so you know why not keep going but when it comes to a trilogy even though this one sucks it is a good third movie and, and the third one usually does suck in the trilogies well the funny thing is that um yeah, it usually sucks. Not not always. Yeah. Um, again, like not, not Nightmare Three, of course. Me and Steve aren't dating, but we're planning a date. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we're planning a Nightmare on Street Three date. Uh, <laughs> the Exorcist Three is great. Oh yeah, yeah there you um, go. We're just we're, we're just saying how um, Hell on Earth is a is a pretty solid sequel to Hellraiser. It's no Hellbound, but it's a solid sequel. So tr- a third one could be decent at times, but uh, yeah, but there are a lot of shit third movies. Um, a lot of people knock. Uh, you know, I'd say I like it. A lot of people knock um, Child's Play 3. Um, yeah, I love it. But uh, a lot of people knock Halloween 3, too. But I, I like that one, too, actually. Yeah, actually, but, now that um, I think about it, the third movies are, are usually pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we can find something. Yeah. Knock. But, uh, yeah, but one thing about these... Uh, yeah, about the film... Uh, yeah, I, I feel as though they were, again... A lot of things I hate about the movies, but like I said, that there are some positive things. Like I was just saying, the beginning and end, like the, the end. I actually like the end too. Um, it, I liked how it was set up inside the house, um, which Steve actually just mentioned to me. Steve told me that that was the same house, Halloween H two O, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I, I did not know that, but um, now that he mentions it, it seems very familiar. Um, yeah. Obviously, I like H two O a lot more. And that setting is cool. It reminds me of like like Clue, and like it kind of goes to like the origins of what Scream always was. And it's like a, a whodunit mystery, and you know, seeing people being picked off um, until like you know, obviously the killer's the only one left. I think another movie that came out recently like that. I could be wrong because I haven't seen it, but uh, Knives Out. If you heard of that, I, I think that's also. Yeah, no, I've, I've I've seen that. Yeah, so the, uh, I think um, I could be wrong, but Clue might have been the first. But I think in general, it's just like a subgenre. It, within horror or, or mystery movies where a bunch of people are in a house so it's it's pretty fitting I, I enjoy that the the third act too well you're talking about like uh, again one of the people that get picked off in that final scene is uh, the, the actress that plays Sid, Sydney in the movie her name is Angelina Tyler oh yeah she's go gorgeous for a second. I love her uh, yeah um, but she was actually a, in the original script she was supposed to be his accomplice and supposed to be a killer too yeah, and that's why her red herring scenes are so like obvious. <laughs> yeah, the, the one in the bathroom and stuff. Yeah, she literally has his mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, again, going over the like the last scene, just when they they kill off three or four or five of the I forgot how many people. I'm, I'm gonna say four. I'm gonna go right in the middle. They kill off about four of the of the uh, of the cast members all within like five minutes. And again, like I said, I thought that was. Again, I thought it was cool just seeing everyone die. And again, like Steve said, like slowly you're going, well, it's not him, it's not her. Who, uh, you're slowly figuring out who the killer is. But at the same time, they killed them up in such shitty ways that like you don't really see anything. Um, I remember, I forgot the black guy's name in the movie. Um, his last name in real life is Richmond. And he's, I, I remember he's being chased. And I forgot what he says, but like Ghostface right behind him and he goes, oh shit. And like he's just running and get, that's the scene where Ghostface he pulls the uh, Roman he he pulls the rug out from underneath his feet. Yeah. <laughs> and again, but I was getting at 
again, I'll, I'll go into this next time with Scream 4 too, but I'll, I'll, I'll compare it to Scream 2 because I don't want to bring up Scream 4 too much. But um, with Scream 2, it's the same thing where, where Mickey throws Sarah Michelle Gellar, CC off the roof. And he does the same thing to, to this character. And this character, like I, could not, like I said, I could not give a shit about these characters. Like I said, the only one that I can remember, like the actual name without looking at like notes, is the guy Tom who, uh, who played Dewey. And even him, like again, I just know, I just remember his name because I, I think they mentioned it a couple more times in the movie. But again, they all that I think we were just talking about the girl Angelina. They stab her in the middle of the hallway, and later on, like I said, you just see like a little red mark on her. Like I said, it's it's just quick kills, quick, cheaply done. Yeah. But and cut away right away. Yeah, but I do like the setting and like the reason why they did it cheaply done. Like I said, and you'll notice something about this too, just because of the Columbine massacre. They um. By the way, for those of you who are really young, um, Columbine massacre is like the first big high school shooting like mass shooting from at least like the late 90s so i guess i have like 98 99 mm-hmm. i remember like that was like the time where like because i was like 13 14 when that happened and you would kind of look at kids that walked around in trench coats in a different way huh. like i said it made no sense like as i like again these the guys that did this wore trench coats so you would uh again so you would see some of that at school with that and kind of give them a double look like yeah this person do something like this even though again it's just profiling and like it just it but but you're a kid and i'm looking at them like that mm-hmm. i remember that too um, yep yeah but the characters in this movie um i found it interesting like their names because i had i wrote down their names because i'm not going to remember their names because just fuck them but like uh, <laughs> but there's a uh, there's the main girl, uh, there's a girl, Jennifer Jolie. I believe Jennifer Jolie is the one that uh, is is uh, Parker Posey's character. Yeah. If if I'm not mistaken, and again, that's a that's a mixture between Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie's name. Yeah, and there's a funny there was a funny joke too when they go to talk to Carrie Fisher. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. They find out that that uh, whatever her name is in there isn't even her real name. Uh, they're like, oh, it's a stage name, and then uh, P- Parker Posey laughs at her. He's like, oh. You, you shouldn't be laughing and then she says her real name uh, before her yeah. stage name and it's something funny too and that's a funny little insight thing about hollywood a lot of people don't know is a lot of these actors that have these cool names that's not really their name that's their stage name i thought carrie fisher had a good cameo in the movie yeah and i like all them in general just all the movie talk and all like um you know obviously you have to be a star wars fan or you got to be familiar with like actors and castings to uh you know appreciate a cameo from carrie fisher there because it's not so obvious when i saw this as a kid i didn't say hey that's princess leia but um like watching it now as an adult that's a that's a pretty cool cameo so i like all the movie all the insider movie talk with the picture on the wall and stuff like that yeah and then bring it up and she goes no i know i look just like her but that's not me so i didn't blow george lucas (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah but uh no i thought she did a, a solid job then there was some guy named Tom Prince in the movie. T- Tom's the guy that I was talking about that plays Dewey. Yeah. And he's uh, Tom Cruise and Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, yeah. There was Ty- yeah, Tyson Fox um, between Jamie Fox and Tyson Beckford. And again, Sarah Darling is, like we said in the last episode, it's just a knock on Sarah Michelle Gellar not being such a darling. <laughs> and I found this funny because, like, again, I found this interesting because they, they did the same thing with I don't know how familiar you are with the Sleepaway Camp movies. Um, 
Sleepaway Camp 2. I was at my brother's one time. I, I, I'm not going to take credit for finding this out because I was watching it with my brother. And my brother's like, my brother told me that he noticed something last time he watched Sleepaway Camp 2. Um, which I think is a fun slasher. It's not as good a movie as the first one, but it's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, Sleepaway Camp 2 is kind of like Friday 13th 2. Where like, it's just all, like, all unique kills, like, and it's not just like it's not building up a new story. It's just all unique kills. Like it's like all right, well we, we already have Jason set in here, and it's like we you already have uh, the killer in Sleepaway Camp is Angela, and she's already set. There. I'm trying to think of the name of the camp where Sleepaway Camp takes place. Uh, camp um, it starts with an A. Uh, Achua? No, Camp uh, Camp Arawak. That's it. But in Sleepaway Camp Two, if any of our viewers ever watched that. Take a look at the names in that movie. This movie came out in the mid '80s, '85, '86. I, I, I don't know the year, but uh, it's it's the first one came out '83, so I'm guessing two, three years after. And all the characters' names are um, Rob and TC. Um, TC is Tom Cruise, and Rob is Rob Lowe. And then there's an Emilio in the movie, Emilio Estevez. And the head counselor in Sleepaway Camp 2 is, um, they call him, um, what's his name? Uh, something John. So his, it, it's like, uh, I, f I forgot what they call him, but he's Counselor John or whatever his name is. So that's supposed to be like John Hughes, like the head of the Brat Pack. Huh. So if you're in the Brat Pack, if you're in the Breakfast Club and Tixie and Candles and St. Elmo's Fire, um, there's about seven or eight characters in that movie that are all named after people in the Brad Pack. And the head counselor's name is John after John Hughes, the creator of all those films. So I, I'm getting a little sidetracked with Sleepaway Camp 2. But, uh, but I'm making that connection. It's the same thing where they were going off of uh, the famous people that were around at the same time and naming the characters after that. Yeah, the more we the more we talk about it, the more I actually am appreciating Scream 3 because there's a lot of stuff like that, like you're talking about like Easter eggs and just like, um, like references to other stuff. And um, that's what I like about it the most, actually, because Scream's always been self-aware, and this is the most self-aware one to the point that they reference the stab movies, um, and also reference the real-life stuff that they see in the stab movies. Like, for example, the um, the black guy has a funny line. Sorry, I forgot his name. Um, later on, when they're in the mansion, Dewey pops up, and he's like, "Yo, we're definitely in trouble." He's like, "Don't." How many you see any of the stab movies? Every time this dude pops up, he turns into a goddamn shish kebab. So that's like a a funny, like, you know, you had to see the other Scream movies to know what he's talking about. But, you know, in this world, they're talking about the stab movies. So it's, like, very, very, like, um, you know, tongue-in-cheek and, like, more than ever self-aware. So all the Screams were always meta. Scream 3 took it to the next level with it, with them literally making a movie about, like, the previous movies and it being on the set and with actors. And he even reads a line um, that Sarah Darling says, like, oh, we're not in danger. And he's like, look, it even says this on page two, what you just said, we're not in any danger. So... A lot of really funny and clever jokes um, that if you're aware of the previous Scream movies or, like you said, Sleepaway Camps, just movies that that pay tribute to other movies, this this movie has a lot of that. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to knock this movie all that much. Um, again, they, uh, it definitely again, it pays tribute to other movies. It definitely mentions a lot less other horror movies than the first two do. Like I said, like uh, even the second one, the dorm that dripped blood or whatever you were saying last time. yeah. I think they mention a lot less horror movies, but they definitely, again, like, but they pay tribute, like, like you said, to, like, other films, like, uh, like, Jay and Silent Bob are in the movie. 
I, I, I hate that. I hate that. But, you know, it's I was waiting for you to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I, I, you know what? I, I, I love the Jersey Trilogy. I love Mallrats. I love uh, Chasing Amy. I love Clerks. And I'm a, I'm a big Dogma fan, too. But I don't need them in Scream 3. Like, I, I don't need that. And, again, thank God it was like a quick two-second cameo. <laughs> but, again, I think, I think that might be by far the worst part of the Scream franchise. That two seconds. Yeah, I I, I want to talk about um, the intro. Oh, first of all, Cotton's wife is beautiful. Um, what actress is that? Uh, I, don't know. I never she, saw her. I'm not, in the, I'm not in the blonde, but she's smoking hot. Yeah, I never saw her in any other movie. Um, but yeah, that intro is actually because I always talk about the opening for for Scream, how good it is, and whether the other ones live up to it. Uh, this one obviously nowhere near as good as the first one, uh, not as good as the second either, but it's still pretty good, and I like the the fact that Khan is the first one killed, that's like, you know, it's like a big gut punch, especially because just in Scream 2, we just learned to really appreciate him and like him. Um, there's a, a lot of really great parts in that in that opening. Um, I like when she's swinging in the golf club at him, I didn't notice this, so I saw uh, a video on YouTube, somebody pointed it out. Um, she's swinging the golf club at Kyan when she thinks that it was him because Stacy's using the voice changer with his voice. She swings the golf club at him the way Wendy swings the bat at Jack as he's going up the stairs saying, Wendy, give me the bat. And she even says, stay back, stay away from me, the same way that Wendy's does. Uh, uh, so that's like a nice little shining reference because uh, you were talking about the movies that they reference. I forgot what else, but something else in that opening. It's, I think I it was Psycho. That you mentioned that because also in the opening they have the scene where it's always a very nice horror shot, and like, because it craves the horror director where they show her walking. Yeah, her feet. And she's, and she's looking for cotton, and it's the same shot as, uh, even though the other one's outside in Texas, it's the same shot as Texas Chance the Massacre, where, where you see her from the ankles. Yeah. And, like, the girl, I forgot her name, but in the Texas Chance the Massacre. But, uh, not Sally, but the girl that dies. And, yeah, yeah. I think in general, horror movies do, does that shot a lot. Um, I think Wes Craven did start it, though. Yeah, um, but like I said, that that was from well Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, was yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, to- Toby Hooper did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. He, he's a Toby Hooper's a king of horror. Like you, you know, look look back at that guy. He did uh he did that. He did um, Poltergeist. He did um, Funhouse. Uh, yeah, no, he he he's something else. Yeah, and I like um, Kyan's show, 100% Kyan. And I love seeing, like, the evolution of the characters in these movies. Um, Like I mentioned in one of the episodes, uh, how Gail was, like, a reporter, and then she was around for these murders and, you know, part of it. So then she wrote a book on it, and then they made a movie on the book. It's like, you know, this, like we always said, like, Scream is really good at world building. Uh, Kyan got his Diane Sawyer interview like he wanted. Uh, again, stuff going on in the background that they're not going to show, just stuff that you got to put together, assume that happened. In between the movies, you know, they're not going to spell it out for you. Uh, Kyan got his interview, and apparently he has a show now called 100% Kyan. Um, and I think he's, like, a perfect fit for that, because he always had, like, that that presence. Um, the Kyan character, not Lee Schreiber, obviously Lee Schreiber, but Kyan, the character, looks like he'd be perfect to host a show. And I just want to point out one funny part. Um, when he's flying through traffic to, to get to his wife, um, when he finds out she's in danger... He's like causing all these car accidents, you know, busy LA traffic, um, flying th- through the streets. When when he gets to the house to to attend his wife, or whatever, his show is on 100% Kyan, and in the show he's doing uh, a segment talking about uh, crazy road race drivers on the streets of LA and the dangers that it possesses. So that was a nice little funny, um, yeah, 
Like he's, I, I didn't recall that. I yeah, he's a hypocrite. The video of him, because he's so full of himself, it makes sense that he's on TV. And it makes <laughs> sense that, like, he, w- w- right when he walks in, there's a little sign that says 100% cotton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, again, so. He wanted, yep, he loves the fame. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he, he, with that opening scene, too, t- uh, two more things about the opening scene is that, first of all, like I said, that wasn't, that wasn't originally supposed to be the opening scene. The opening scene was written that it was Sydney and a friend, uh, and Sydney gets another call, and it's the same thing as the first one. It's like, do you like scary movies? And she gets attacked, and Sydney ends up killing whoever's attacking her, and it turns out that whoever's attacking her is just a fan joking around. Oh man! And again, so that was supposed to be the original opening. I like this one better. Yeah, me too. And then the second one, like I said, I think it's good that they killed off. Uh, Again, I, I like Cotton, but I think it's I, it's important that they kill a lot. I, I also like, uh, I'm going to get into Jamie Kennedy in a second, but um, but also, I, I I guess Creed must have paid up. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. It must have something going on. Creed gives the in the beginning, then later on you see Sydney in her fake room where she used to live, which that whole set was torn down, so that all had to be rebuilt. So again, like everything, like that whole town was just like, um, that, that was um, a recreation because I was confused because there's um when she's walking through the set there's a part where there's the garage where Tatum got killed, but and the boat's outside. Yeah, wouldn't that be Scream One? Um, what's she on the set of Scream One? Uh, maybe it's an old set. I, I don't know. Okay, but um, yeah, either way, what was Creed around in when Scream One came out? Uh they were around. They, they probably not those pictures. And yeah, that's what I mean. It's not even um. Uh, Factually, just not as big. Yeah. Like I said, Creed is like every other group. Like they have like an an album or two. I mean, they're like most groups. Some groups like Guns N' Roses or whatever come right out the door with like a huge album. Yeah. Like they weren't like big during their first album. Their first album, their first big album, I want to say Creed, like their huge album was Human Clay. And that was where the songs from like, you'll see, you'll see their songs in this. You'll see it in the movie, The Skulls. Like I said, Creed had their music all around during that time. Yeah, but seeing that, like a movie set and how how it's built, like the stuff that you don't see um, when you know when you see a, a movie. Obviously, it's only what's on the camera. Because I never been to an actual movie set before. Um, obviously, I've seen them on TV, but seeing them in Scream, like that's really cool. Especially used for the for the chase. Like she does one really cool Sydney thing. Like we said before, we liked the. What she did with Mickey when they uh, looked at each other, like, and then she grabs both of his arms and pull, pulls him through the pole. Uh, this one, she tricks him. She he, she goes up to like a door. Um, oh, yeah, and then she's standing on the side of it, and it's actually like a, a two story set. You know, you would think it's a floor, but now he falls right into the bed, which looks like a fun fall. But uh, um, that, the, like, I love stuff like that. And then also when it's in Sydney's room, there's like a big sign on the couch that says um, "Hot Set." Which is like a movie term. Um, I think it's like when you can't touch anything because like it's ready to be filmed. I could be wrong, but I just know that's like an insider um, movie making term. So again, like I love all the stuff that that's just like um, you know, just like Randy stuff. Like the whole Scream franchise is basically like what where Randy is. Like just this, this big movie nerd, and I love all the terminology and stuff like that. All the insider stuff. I, I guess when she's like on that set and stuff like you were just talking about and like in the beginning of the film that used to freak me out with the dead mother in the beginning of the movie. Like, oh yeah, I wanted to say that too. Credit to Scream Three, it actually has some pretty scary parts. 
Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that was probably the scariest thing. That probably freaked me out more than anything else in that other screen movie growing up. Like that scene with the mother outside the window. Yeah, and then uh, later on, Ghostface uh, with the body bag, the bloody body bag covering him. That was also pretty creepy and, and uh, disturbing. My question is, is she supposed to like... Is Roman, is Roman, is he... Is he doing the mother's voice, or is she hearing all that in her head? I never was able to tell if it was a movie. I mean, if it was um, the movie props, uh, movie set stuff that he used for it, or if it was a dream. Yeah, yeah. No, because, I, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Like, that was, like, all in her head or not. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always said the two scariest things about this movie is her mother and um, and Gail's hair. <laughs> Which everyone says, like I said, uh, she, I thought Gail was hot as all hell in the second one. And then, uh, and then they changed that up. But supposedly they were on their honeymoon, and David Arquette had her change her hair like that. Yeah, he so. suggested it. Okay, yep. <laughs> In general, a lot of um, if you, even Scream Four that came out just ten years ago, um, it has a lot of outdated hairstyles. That's the cool thing about seeing these Scream movies, not just like seeing the actors. Um, like like we said, the stuff going on in the background with Corny marrying David, but. Seeing like how hairstyles evolved over time, seeing technology evolve over time, like the big leap from Scream Three to Four, how different like you know people's lives are. Um, so that's another really cool thing about the Scream movies is that they came out at such different time periods. It's like they're all like a period piece. And the funny thing is going back to like again we're talking about like different time periods. Like I I remember all that stuff. Like I remember like when like I even like from Scream's Scream One. Like I remember I was like eleven, twelve when that came out. And, like, I remember it being 11, 12 years old, and that was the style that was in. Yeah. So, okay, that's, like, the first generation that I could remember, like, exactly, like, oh, that's how people used to dress. But the, yeah, the like, craziest yeah, jump I, is Scream 1 to 2. I don't know what happened in between those two years. So much changed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was only filmed shortly after. I remember, like, again, like, I used to always walk around, like, even years after that with, like, the, uh, the two buttons unbuttoned and my, uh, my polo shirt hanging out like untucked like w- w- with my jeans and everyone used to be like see you, you, you look so 90s <laughs> like, like, oh, this what i know i was like never in with fashion i'm like this is what i grew up wearing <laughs> but um i'm walking around with, with like an afro <laughs> jane co jeans on <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh patrick dempsey he was actually uh he was hired to play detective kincaid um, the day before shooting began, so we had to memorize everything right beforehand. Uh, again, another uh, another tie-in with another one of Craven's films. Uh, Kincaid is the black kid from uh, Nightmare on Street three and four. Oh wow! I didn't think of that. So again, so that I, I I'm hundred percent sure that that's why Craven did that. I, I never looked to see if that's confirmed. Yeah, the, that um I don't know if I want to blame Patrick Dempsey or the writing, but that character just did, did nothing for me at all. And it's not like I hate him or I think he's a stupid character. It's just, he's just there. <laughs> I actually, today, I was going to bring this up. He's not very happy. Now, I have Patrick Dempsey here as a guest. <laughs> um, here we go. He just said, you're a piece of shit, and he just left. <laughs> he's not even going to do it now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, I thought one positive bar about this movie is that uh, the, the the actor again I don't remember the guy's name the actor Patrick Warburton he plays uh, he plays the asshole uh, yeah the asshole s- s- security guard yep Joe from Family Guy <laughs> yeah yep I think he's funny he's like he's hilarious one line where like um what, what, what does he say he goes uh, hey dewdrop we we 
We got your girlfriend here. Yeah. And then he says that really fucked up. Yeah, he's like, oh, we already have two gales. Oh, we already have one gale. We don't need two. Um, he says one fucked up thing to do. He right before he gets stabbed, he's like, oh, you don't want to end up dead like your sister. I was like, what the fuck? And then um, Roman pretending to be Dewey with the voice changer, which even though it's stupid and we could talk about it and bash it, everybody knows the stupidest thing is the voice changer. But uh, Roman with the voice changer, he's like, what? What did you just say? That really pissed me off, which is actually like what my answer would be. Like, why the fuck? That's a low blow about my dead sister. Um, but I was going to point out, even though the voice changer is stupid, you could still kind of hear, like, even though it's Dewey's voice, it doesn't sound completely like Dewey, and it still sounds like Roman. So they, I don't know if they combined the voices, what they did in the editing room, but but it does sound like a little funny, like like um like it's not, it's obviously not Dewey, it's somebody with the voice changer. So I like that. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed that with like a lot of the voices. Though, yeah, the it's like you hear the Roman in there still. Yeah, like I said, but like. Not all of them. Like, Leave Striver still sounds like Leave Striver. That was too much, yeah. Especially when he was screaming behind the door, like, let me in or I'll fucking kill you. Like, that was just yeah, Leave Striver yeah. screaming. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, no, I said, again, like, like you just said, I kind of noticed that a lot with um, a lot of the voices, but not all of them. Yeah. Uh, like, Dewey wouldn't talk that way. It wasn't just the voice. It's just even even what, what Dewey would say, his, his, um, his, the cadence to his voice, so... Um, it'd be interesting to find out how they did it, cause that, or maybe Dewey's just um, David Arquette's a really good actor, and he was able to sound just different. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I agree that it definitely had a little Roman inside it. I I also think like again, I always say I think Roman is at least up until at least up until part four. Um, I gotta watch part five again. I I remember being watching part five, and just again we'll, we'll go over this later. Um, I remember watching part five and just like when I found out who the killers were, I was like, I don't even know who, I don't even remember seeing this one girl in the movie that much. <laughs> I, I'm like, who, who is this? And like, she, she actually has a cool death scene. Um, yeah, she does. She, uh, okay, we'll go over this when we talk about part five, but the female killer in part five, she, uh, she probably has uh, the best death of a killer in the movie next to Stu. Um, but I remember seeing her, and they're like, oh, and this is the other killer. And I was like, who the fuck is this? And, um, but what I was getting at is that Roman is probably, next to them, my least favorite killers in the franchise. Like, again, I, again, I, I don't feel like he adds my... I, I do like, like Steve brought up before, I like how it tied in a little bit where, like, it's like, all right, he was part of the original movie. But still, even with that... I don't go back to the original movie ever and see the movie differently than I saw it the first time. Like, I always see it as Stu and Billy planning this. Yeah, and I remember still in the movie theater when Roman revealed that he's the killer, the whole theater like was just quiet. Nobody knew who the hell he was. And, and Sydney's face and reaction explains it all. She, she reacts the way the audience reacts. I think people even laughed in the theater because she was like, wait, who? Because that's what we were thinking. She's like, who are you? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, um, but speaking of that, this is the only movie where uh, it breaks the rule, where Sydney doesn't know the killer. Yeah. Yep. So again, so again. They were, yeah, they were never in a scene together. Yeah. So she probably doesn't know who the fuck he is. Yeah. But uh, that that might that must be quite embarrassing. Like, <laughs> you're you're my whole world and my whole life, uh, like my, my my whole thing is to kill you. 
and that's my life goal, and you have no idea who the fuck I am. <laughs> you don't even know I exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that must be quite heartbreaking. <laughs> but, um, it's fun. Roman also says in the movie, like, he, he doesn't like doing horror movies. He says he has to do this because he wants to make a classic love story, and he can't make one of those until he gets into the, uh, until he gets in the business and makes this shitty horror movie. And Wes Craven did the same thing. Wes Craven... Oh, I missed that. ...got a horror, like, in the beginning. And right right before this movie came out in 99, he came out with a uh, with a Meryl Streep movie called Music of the Heart. Wow. And that's all he, like, really wanted to do was, like, make a movie like that. Yeah. And so, kind of, I, I always say he's the greatest horror director of all time but Wes Craven always wanted to make like romantic films too you know and dramas that's funny and I, um as stupid as all the Roman stuff is um I like like the fact that it's her brother because they they even really quickly like as soon as they find out their siblings I feel like they start acting like like brothers and sister even the way they fight and stuff um and another thing I like uh, this is gonna sound but it's kind of like how how Christian Bale is not my favorite Batman but he's my favorite Bruce Wayne I don't like Roman um, as as a reveal who the killer is, but I like his ghost face the best. Um, not because of his kills, because like we said, the kills suck, and that's not really the movie's fault. They had to tame it for for real life events. But actual ghost face, I like. I feel like he's very well. And this is probably credit more to the stuntman, but in this in the movie, I liked how he is under the ghost face mask. Um, I feel like he acts like more like. Um, chaotic and more crazy than ever. He, I like when he punches Dewey a lot. I think that's very funny, and I like the fact that he's like very like loaded up with with, with stuff that makes him seem like he's superhuman. Like where in other movies, like Randy said, oh, another rule of the third movie is the killer is like unstoppable more than ever. You gotta like pretty much burn him into smithereens to to get rid of them. Um, this one, Ghostface is more powerful than ever. Also, to go in line with like the other third movies, but it's explained with. Him having like a body armor, having a voice changer, you know, using technology. Um, he even has like a, a metal detector, and he makes Sydney use it before she comes in. So he's also like smart, and I like that he's a movie director, and that also I feel like goes with like the whole scream thing, and tying it in with movie and movie talk. And then he even says like, "Oh, I'm the director, baby. That's why I'm doing all this." And I feel like that just that just goes really well with like people's obsession with movies and like you know how Billy wasn't the first one, Randy. Like the whole thing with Scream is is um taking what you see in the movies too far and i think it's fitting that in one of them a director would be the killer well sydney screams at like who, who who kills him at the end is it uh is it dewey yeah headshot headshot yep yeah he's in the head in the head yeah so uh yeah yeah but uh, and again that's like I, establishing the scream rules that we know i thought that she i thought that like even even more than jill i thought even though she didn't really know him i thought at the end of the movie he was the killer that she understood the most. Yeah. And like, 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 at like, with Billy and Stu, just like, what the fuck is wrong with you two? And again, like. Yeah, that's what I mean with the brother sister thing. Yeah, yeah, and with Billy's mother, it's kind of like, I don't give a fuck. Your, your son was a nut job, just like you. And and Mickey's just a wacko. <laughs> and it seemed like she didn't care about Jill that much at the end. She was like, all right, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, right. And like, and like, um, but with Roman, like you see that they have a connection at the end, like, like, like you were saying before, and you see they have that sibling connection. Yeah, they bicker. It feels for him that like he's kind of like a, a sad puppy. Yeah. Like again, like not that he should have been doing what he was doing, but in a way he did lose his mother because yep. of like, all this. 
and again, like, again. So not that, like, she knew that he had to die, but I think that she probably felt the worst about killing Roman than anybody else. Yeah. And yeah. and also, I like how you see how Sydney's just, like, fed up with it at this point after all the killer reveals and all the, the monologues that the bad guys give her. She's like, oh, I've heard this shit before. And she's like, you're just a crybaby. And he's like, shut the fuck up. And they start fighting literally like brothers and sisters. Yeah, and she, she, she didn't realize that she was going to hear it two more times, not three, because she's not going to be there for the sixth one. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. That's what they say, but maybe. You never yeah, know. I, I, I highly doubt it, but but but... but by the way she's talking about it, I don't think things ended on a light note. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, and yeah. also, um, as corny as the line sounds, um, uh, like you said, you, you kind of feel for Roman there, and then when he's like on the floor right before she stabs him, which is like super savage, it just shows how Sydney's just like, you know, she'll just kill these things without a second thought after what she's been through. Um, he says that yeah. line where he's like, oh, I, at least I got to make my movie. Like, it's, it's a little corny and stupid, and you know, he looks like he's a big baby. But I feel like that goes so well with the screen movies. Like some guy that's fu- you know just obsessed with like making his masterpiece before he dies. He doesn't care what it took, you know. So it's just like it, as bad as the movie is, it it doesn't it doesn't like um, stray away from what Scream is. Yeah. Again, like I said, we, we're actually not knocking the movie as much as we can. Like I'm like I yeah. I think sometimes when you start talking about a movie, you realize it's not as terrible yeah. as you think it might be. Yeah, I think that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's still. It's by far my least favorite scream movie yeah but uh but like again it's not like but it's a scream movie though it's a scream movie yeah, for yeah. sure it's not like what the fuck is this this doesn't fit in with the rest I, I also talk about a scream movie scream movie like especially back then you, you need to have jamie kennedy I, I like how they brought him back for that freak <laughs> yeah that's funny and he's like talking yeah. to dewey like it's facetime on live yeah he's talking <laughs> he knows his exact response he goes, yeah okay Shut up. i know it was late we, we were in the porn section yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Two things that I noticed about the movie again, th- th- this one I didn't notice until I read about it. Uh, Sydney still wears the Greek letters that Jerry O'Connell gave to her, Derek, in the second one. Yeah, I didn't catch that. And, um, I like that because it, it actually shuts down my point that I was trying to make that I don't like that the screen movie, screen movies, they brush off depths and it's like nothing happened, they forget about them. So, um, I'm yeah. glad they did that. So, that's good. I don't think she cared about them, she just liked the way it looked. Yeah, and, and she just needed a weapon. Yeah, yeah. Like she used it in the second uh, one. What uh, second thing was uh, let's say um, the cast in this movie, like the, the the way that the the killer is killing the cast of the movie in the movie. That's it cool. Reminded me of Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Kill, where Freddy's coming out and killing the people making the movie. Yeah. And again, so I don't know if that had something to do. I don't know if that was behind his idea a little bit, but um, but yeah, so I noticed that while watching it and. and- that yeah, was a lot of fun. New Nightmare is a great movie. Yeah, it is. That was a lot of fun. Um, oh, like Gail having pretty much like a, a shadow, like a stunt double or, you know, a copycat. Like basically two Gales you get in this movie. And Parker Posey was really funny. I think she was actually the highlight of the whole movie. Um, she was like, very... When she's going like, well, I'm going to stay with you. Yeah. I'm kill you. And if I'm with you, they're going to kill you because <laughs> you're with me. <laughs> yep. And then, um, and then when she first meets her... You see her like like when she introduces herself. Uh, Gail starts walking away. You start to know you notice right away that she's um, copying exactly what Gail's gonna do the whole movie. Like she walks just like her, so that that makes for a lot of fun stuff. Um, and in general, the comedy in this is just very good. I think it's a very funny movie. Like that well, th- that I doesn't. Like that scene with, what? Sorry to I like that scene with Parker too, where uh, where she um, 
Gail tries to give her 50 bucks, and he goes, what, are you a reporter for Woodsboro High? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's what I mean. You get two Gales, because then she, she out-Gales Gail in that scene. Yeah, yeah. She's like, no, this is what you do. But yeah, the comedy is pretty good. Um, and I like, even though it's really ridiculous and contrived, they're probably the, the stupidest kill in the whole franchise. That scene is hilarious when they're getting the the script um, faxed to them from from the killer and they're reading it, the lights go out. And just like how they had to read what it says, like the the girl that played, played Sydney is like, well, what's it say? Like, it's, it's almost like you're, you're watching a, a straight up comedy, like a spoof yeah. movie, the way she delivers that line. She's like, oh, well, what's it say? Like, so overly dramatic. And then at the end, yeah, that, that's one of those things too, where I was like, I was getting like, I was telling you, I like that scene, but at the same time, <laughs> as little as you, you could tell it that he types up that last line a little bit smaller font, <laughs> but like again, but like, how does he know he's gonna light a lighter to go look at it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How does he know one of them's gonna go back? Side with her or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that would be a complete waste of time if if he doesn't go in there and do exactly what he hoped he'd do. Is there anything else you, you want to add about the film? Um. Yeah. Like. The comedy still there. Um, the kills very boring, but um, it's not like the only reason it's bad because it's the dip in quality from the first to the second one. If this was like a standalone movie or the sequel to any other movie, we wouldn't think it's you know the worst thing. Uh, it's still entertaining. It's just the dip in quality from like from one to two. There was a dip in quality, obviously, because two is not as good as one, but not that drastic where it's noticeable. But from two to three. It's just such a big dip in quality that it's like, you know, like you said with the Dewey and, and Gale thing, it just doesn't feel like it, like the previous ones. Like um, Dewey and Gale don't feel like how they used to in the previous movies. This doesn't feel like a Scream movie based off the standards it already set for itself. So well, it, it doesn't... They, they also mentioned The Godfather in the second and third one. It's the same thing. It's yeah. It's The Godfather Part 3. It's not a terrible movie. I mean, it's pretty bad. Uh, I'm not lying. Exa- uh, yeah, it's, it's just comparing it to... a lot of good stuff in it. Exactly. But, um, but again, like, can you compare it to the first two, you know? Yeah, it's just um, those first two are so good that this one had, like, a pretty high part of clear or at least match, and it actually didn't come that close. So that's unfortunate, but I still enjoy it, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm entertained by it, but I probably will never watch it again. I don't think so. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever see it again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, i give it a 4 out of 10, and I'd be a nice... Um, Say. I'll give it a five. Uh, yeah, I, I, I give it a, a low four, high three. <laughs> um, like I said, but I, I own so many movies and watch so much the same shit over and over again. I'll probably I'll watch it. I'll still watch it ten more times. <laughs> I, I still own three copies of Scream 3. Like I said, uh, but that, that that is what it is. Um, again, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, next up, we're going to get a little Scream 4 going, which again, um, I'm I'm a little excited about Scream 4. I, I look at it differently than I look at the third one. And so thanks for listening, guys. Be afraid. <laughs>